Hey fellow Wanderers, it's Foggy here. Hey, we're getting ready to record our show on Dermot Kennedy's performance in London from last night. When the show's over, do us a favor and drop us a line. Let us know where you're listening from and let us know your favorite Dermot song. If you'd like, give me a shout on Twitter. You can get me at at Foggy's Pal. Let me know where you are and what you're listening to. And now, on to the show. Ready for another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering? Good. Here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, mini-sode number eight, proudly hosted by North Central Indiana's Rock 98.5. On Thursday night, Dermot Kennedy and special guest Paul Mescal delivered 12 songs and three poems during a brilliant concert some summer night from the London Natural History Museum. Joining me to talk about it are Teabags and Joe Reif. Welcome. Good morning. Hey, hey. This is the earliest we have ever recorded Wanderings and Wool Gathering, so bear with us. <laughs> but I think we all have coffee. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. And it's not even really that early. It's just Saturday. Well, so. yeah, I got up at five yesterday to edit the last show because I wanted to make sure it got out early yesterday because we have a busy schedule. We had that one, we've got this one, and then we have Ashton Knight tomorrow night. So we're really cranking them out. So, mm-hmm. well, guys, um, just to to start off, I think the venue, if we want to start there, choosing the location of that concert was really God, it was just beautiful, and I think acoustically wonderful. What do you guys think? Yeah, I thought it was I mean, obviously visually beautiful. I thought it was kind of intriguing because you're kind of like. Uh, you know, after hours at a, at a kind of odd place <laughs> and, um, yeah, acoustically, obviously that lent itself pretty well, but Joe, what'd you think? This was at the London natural history museum. Is that yeah. Correct? yeah. Um, so it creates, um, the main hall, I guess you'd call it. I've never been there. So it's kind of tricky from the camera angles to tell, but they set up in, in kind of a main hallway, real tall ceilings, beautiful stained glass behind created some great effects with lights. And then they have these little uh, side rooms that they would duck off to. Um, it was a single shot, um, uh, no edit camera angle, uh, which created some really cool effects as well as they follow around uh, both Derma and Paul at different points in the concert and uh, created some really cool atmosphere and cool moments. I thought it was great. And then, yeah, sound must've been incredible live. Um, I was really impressed at how good it came through on the stream as well. Yeah, I, I agree for sure. And last night, um, I sat, I was sitting with my wife and I popped it on there um, just to kind of review it again. And we went to the the part where they go to the side where they're in that kind of narrow stone hallway and it has those beautiful string instruments. And again, having it right in front of your face, listening the the richness of those instruments in that hallway were just beautiful. And I liked how they would go in and, and zoom on Dermot while he was playing and then sort of pan out and come through them as they were playing their instruments. And man, that was, that was really a highlight for me. Yeah. Not only was it like you're saying, you almost kind of felt like you were there because you're standing right in the middle of that. But I think the whole setup, I mean, I'm just talking about the whole, the way that they did it. Uh, going back to when Dermot announced this and he was talking about, I can't wait to see what you guys think of what we're, you know, how we've set this up. And 
you kind of get that from a lot of artists. Like we can't wait to show you what we're doing. And then it just ends up being a concert and there's nothing wrong with that. But this was really well thought out to be like a theatrical engaging performance, I think, instead of like just leaning back and watching what you thought would maybe be an opener in one place and then Dermot in another. It was like that whole poetry following Paul around, like you said, kind of coming in and out of things. It just, it made it more of like a lean in experience and you felt like you were there and engaged in some way and it told a story. So uh, yeah, I mean, it was something that I didn't expect. I didn't know what to expect, but I thought it was beautiful how they wove all that together. Yeah, they weren't bound by the stage. I know some artists have been doing uh, shows from from empty venues with their bands, just maybe stripped down or acoustic, three or four of them on stage, um, which is a cool effect, you know, depending on the venue. Um, I think they've been doing some at the Ryman Auditorium, for instance, but this one, there was no stage really to be bound to. So um, kind of opened up the entire place um, completely seamless, even on the moments between songs, there were some you know, atmosphere, some strings playing besides Paul's poems, uh, really nice flow. So the music never really stopped. It was just one continuous um, experience. Yeah. And I wasn't sure in the beginning how I felt about Paul necessarily, because I wasn't aware of who he was and I didn't expect poetry. So it was kind of interesting, but um, it kind of grew on me as it went. And then he became a little more engaging too. I think there was one, he was leaned against the wall as they exited that main um, hallway or big hall that he was performing in and they go to the side and he's there and he's talking about losing someone in that space that's now empty and then he turns and looks directly at the camera like he's just broken the fourth wall and he's talking directly to us and that was kind of the moment where I was like yeah okay he's got me here and uh, yeah. and that's where I really fell in love with what he was doing yeah that was a cool moment I think and I was, there was, a, I was like, oh sorry Jeff go ahead th there was a moment when he uh, delivers a poem or is walking through one of the hallways <clears throat> leads down to uh, we talked about the string um, quartet or the the group there um, and as Germans setting up they focus on Paul and then they swing the camera around Paul leans uh, in and watches the concert and then you know the camera kind of perches over the shoulder so he becomes part of the uh, crowd as well part of the spectators um, and, and I was expecting him to, to say something or do something, but then you kind of realize that he's not the focus anymore. He's there with us. And then we're looking in, um, cool. as, as Dermot starts the, the next song. So cool effects like yeah. that really made it for me. Yeah, that's cool. I could talk about all that stuff all day just cause I think there's so much thought that goes into that, you know, especially, you know, when you watch, I like to study film stuff and when you study film and how they do creative transitions to hand off from scene to scene, it's like this, this definitely was not um, a lazy setup, like the, hey, how can we just sell some tickets and, and do something? So it was still a very well thought out art piece altogether, I think. Um, let's, <clears throat> let's dig into highlights. What was, what song was uh, a big highlight for you? I'm going to go last because I'll talk longer. <laughs> well, I won't say necessarily a highlight, but I thought it was really smart that they started with Outnumbered the familiar, mm -hmm. the one that everybody knows, the mm -hmm. most popular. Um, it, you know, it's kind of up-tempo at times, and I thought that was just a wise choice to start the concert. Yeah, it was a, it was a great one. So many moments that, um, you know, Dermot's music is all about the power of his voice um, over sometimes some really uh, minimalist music, you know, some really, so, you know, Outnumbered starts with just the piano. 
um, with some very minimalist piano. His voice kicks in, and there's just so much of that. This, this, uh, as kind of a new Dermot fan, I mean, uh, this really highlights his style, which is that really, really strong vocal, really powerful, um, you know, singing. And, and maybe the music is not the strongest, although he does kick it up towards the end. And I appreciated uh, some of the ones, uh, I believe it was uh, Island Fires and Family. He had the whole, um, the whole battery of background vocalists. And I think most of it was acapella. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a standout for me. I love the string quartet stuff too. He did two songs with the strings. Um, Evening I Will Not Forget. And what was the other one? The corner, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those two. Those two were a couple of my favorites. Yeah, and I think the funny thing is, I was texting Steve every time a song would come on, I'd be like, "He's played my favorite song." <laughs> <Every time. laughs> um, but a couple of highlights for me: one is an evening I will not forget when we um, did our last last minisode on Giants. I think uh, we were talking, and Joe, I told you, you got to check out this performance of him on the piano and. So an evening I will not forget is really special because it's kind of how I found him. And I heard one version way back and then the album version came out and it had a lot more like uh, percussion and upbeat uh, stuff behind it. And then this one was another version. So it was very like exciting for me to hear. And I really love the strings. And then um, I have so many highlights, but I'll, I'll just jump into one other one too. I really liked Paul engaging and doing a duet with him on Giants just to mm-hmm. hear the new song. Paul had a really great voice too. And it just kind of like brought the whole story together that he was joining the music too. So um, those are two big highlights for me. Doesn't it say a lot about a musician's songwriting ability if you can play a song in, as you were just saying, three different ways and they're all effective? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And for me, a lot of that goes back to lyrics and arrangement of the vocals because I think he could just overlay that on about anything and, and it still would work for me and i think at that point paul had not even really entered into that main room he's kind of hanging out in the wings and then he comes on the scene and does giants which is a, just an amazing song to begin with um mm-hmm. he, he almost i'll i'll stop short of saying that he matched dermot's vocals but he was he is a strong singer as well so i like it because they they really um worked well together because his are smooth and softer and then dermot's got that kind of rougher edge old folk singer um glenn hansard kind of vibe mm-hmm. yeah so i think they really complement each other well for sure yeah uh the tune before that glory uh is a is one of my favorite tunes too on this on this um concert uh because with the the choir, it almost becomes like a gospel song. It just had that kind of intensity in those, those moments for me. Um, besides just being a great tune as a standalone, that, that arrangement was really cool. Yeah. I was so happy to play that. That's such a good song. And it wasn't on the last album. I don't believe it's actually been officially on an album. It, I mean, it's available on Spotify, but, but yeah, that's such a great song. A couple of things too. Um, you know, it's really, I, I don't find it odd necessarily because, they, they balance and mix it well, but Dermot plays an acoustic guitar on almost every song. Uh, without fear, he picks up an electric guitar. Um, he's not doing a lot. He's not dropping down solos or anything like that, but it comes through. Um, Tony, is it odd that he plays an electric guitar? Is that something that we don't see a whole lot from him? Yeah. I mean, it's, it feels like, especially coming from like all of the 
the busking world, you know, and then just transitioned into his own stuff, which was a lot, still a lot of acoustic stuff. It is, it was odd. Um, and it was odd because that song doesn't really even need it until it kind of kicks in, you know? Right. Well, somebody on, on YouTube or on the internet, I can't remember, I was reading, um, had the set list. I was going back to review for the show and they had noted that without fear featured him on an electric guitar. And so I thought it must be kind of weird that he, he did that, but, um, <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure that I was reading that right. So, um, anybody who's listening has not heard, um, taking out the poems, the song list was outnumbered, lost power over me to all my friends of islands, fires, and family, an evening I will never forget, the corner, moments past, glory, giants without fear, and then an absolutely cool ending with him probably sometime earlier in the day in the museum, another part, uh, doing the parting glass, which I thought was really, that kind of brought back that busking vibe, because he was just standing there, it was illuminated like it would be during the day, like fluorescent lighting or whatever, and he's just standing there on a little box or whatever it was, playing yeah. the song uh, right in the middle of the hallway. It was really cool. Yeah, and I thought you, um, when you were here watching it, you, you said, is that like a Celtic poem or something? You know, it was, it felt like something very old in a, in a way that just like kept going through the ages, but it was, you know, we had to look it up, but it was something that he wrote. The Parting Glass has enough Irish melody, uh, of course, you know, his voice, but enough Irish melody to throw you off to make you think that it is an old folk song or an old, uh, you know, some kind of an old Irish melody. Cause whatever he did, he, I guess he sampled it. Well, um, it does, it, it made us wonder we had to look it up, but it is yeah. not, it's an original. So cool tune. I think another thing to note too, especially anybody kind of coming into Dermot a little bit. Um, and we're talking about this, it was very subdued and, and told a story, but Man, when they had the band kick in, you know, that drummer is killing it. The bassist, uh, he's not standing still by any means. <laughs> you you mean good. the guy who was in the back skanking? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the keyboard. I mean, everybody was into it, having fun. But, I mean, he has an amazing band behind him, too. And that was one thing when I went and saw him at concert. I fully expected, back to the acoustic thing, when I saw Damien Rice, he basically, you know, stood up there with a the guitar and could control the whole audience. And I think Dermot could do that as well. Dermot seems to have a lot of uh, like hip hop influences and things that have beats behind him. So when I saw him in concert, I did not expect a band. I think I texted you, Steve. I was like, man, this drummer is making this show even better. So. Yeah. I, I think that I really like the fact that he used both in this concert, mixed it up a little bit like that. Um, I think giants works better with a band. Um, and it was really good here. And then of course the accompanying vocals, but that's yeah. a song that definitely benefits from having a band. And I know I'm talking a lot here, but this is my guy. So, <laughs> but one thing I'll say is like, this is something I looked forward to all week, like in a way that I, you know, as adults, we don't look forward to that much, you know, um, it kind of felt like a kid again, like when you're waiting for that concert or that album to come out and you know, when it just started, I was, you know, just smiling like a kid. It was like, and it started with that like low tone, almost like cinematic feel and you're kind of like emerging into the scene with him and it just didn't disappoint. You know, you look forward to these type of things. You have that heightened excitement that you don't really allow yourself to have very much as an adult. And then uh, it delivered. And like I've told you guys off air, you know, I've probably watched it seven times now. And if, you know, as long as it stays up, I'll keep watching it. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. 
were there any songs or any moments in the whole thing that were a disappointment in any way? Not to me. I I couldn't think of any. I mean, yeah, there were slower moments. There were less intense moments, but I wouldn't say disappointing moments. Yeah, I didn't yeah. have any either. I was just curious if you guys had any. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> when you review these, you don't want to come across as a shill. Like, oh, we'll just say great things about anybody. But <laughs> Everything was great. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to pick things apart. But the only thing that threw me off at first, and I think we kind of talked about that too, was you know when they got to Paul for the first time and he didn't know what he's going to do. And then he just started reciting poetry, which I happen to love, so it was great. But it was also kind of like, I see now where it fit in the acts and the progression of what the story was going to do. But it was like this, like, in love feeling. And I was like, well, I'm not sure how this is, <laughs> how this is all going to fit. Mm-hmm. But um, it just, it just like jarred me for a second. But it definitely wasn't disappointing. And it, it lent itself to be a beautiful part of the show. He, he walks in, or the camera cuts to him, um, walking down the hall. And in these, it's lined by you know glass cases. They even at one point there's a glass case that slips in between uh, Paul and the camera, um, and then he takes his place. I don't know if there was a platform set up for him or he kind of steps up onto something and delivers his poem. But um, just kind of working around the space of the museum, um, including those those exhibits, and those display elements, um, mm-hmm. with the movement, with the you know uh, the whole thing another you know really cool fact i love museums i love especially old ones like this i don't know how old this museum is but the architecture mm. just the total experience um i love going to the smithsonian in washington dc and just spending time on their campus and all the different rooms and museums and so that that right there kind of got me i know that's an extremely probably nerdy thing to say but um <laughs> you know i mean if I get to go to a museum and there's some great music, I mean, I've, I've been to different events that have been set up in rooms like this, but never experienced anything where the whole, the whole museum's in play. So. Yeah, that was very cinematic and cool. And I did look at, we looked up yesterday cause I've shown the, um, the venue to my wife and she loves architecture and it's like 1870 or something like that, roughly oh. when, which is old to us, probably relatively new to Europe. <laughs> Um, since you know they have tons and tons of old buildings, but it it, uh, it was awesome looking, and, um, and I did like Joe what you said too that they incorporated it not just in a way that it was a backdrop, but that case slipping in between still it felt very cinematic. They had the whale skeleton, which I think is you have to have one of those if you're gonna have a natural history museum <laughs> as soon as you walk in. So yeah. most of yeah. the most of the concert he spent in the room underneath that you don't realize it until later they pull back and show. That that was what was going on, but there's this—I assume it was a huge whale uh, skeleton hanging from the suspended from the ceiling. So it kind I think of reminds me. We were when we were in Italy a few years ago. We were at the Pantheon. You know, that's the original building, the original dome. There was a huge choir performing in there, which acoustically was just amazing. Oh, but wow. it wasn't Dermot, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it did lack a little bit. <laughs> And they, the only thing I think they missed uh, is a sponsorship opportunity to like hand off to a night at the museum sequel. We're leaving that, folks, on that one. <laughs> uh, any last comments before we rate this? My last comment would be if we're going to, if this is how it's going to be for a while until we see live touring bands, I hope more bands do 
something similar and put thought into this. And I certainly hope that Dermot does another type of show as well. I agree. And I, I think Joe said it earlier, there's nothing wrong with a band being in an empty place, just being on a stage playing so that we get new music, but mm-hmm. something that was more scripted and planned out like this, I think really kind of takes it to a new level and becomes a lot more interesting. I mean, a lot of the things we talked about didn't have anything to do with his music. So right. it yeah. was a complete package, which was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. All, all nice and neat, about an hour long, 56 minutes long or something like that. Um, so, you know, it, it never, it never, you know, kept your attention the whole time and, and it, perfect length. In other words, I just think the set list was, was laid out perfectly. Um, I'd like to see some bands like Tony, I agree with you totally. Uh, if, if we're not going to have live music, find a, a spot that you wouldn't necessarily record a, an out, um, record a, a concert and do it there. I'd like to see maybe somebody go down into a subway or something, think about busking or, you know, just find a cool venue. And, and it's really not that difficult to, um, to do something with just a little bit of, um, a little bit of setup, you know, Dermot didn't have a full stage. He didn't have, I don't know. I talked, but I didn't work on it. So I'm sure it was, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's just, we're at the museum. We got our guitars. Let's just throw some music together. And, uh, come up with a really cool product yeah i agree and not to get too deep but this is kind of where art shines you know the whole thing with art is like being creative and overcoming and you know art has always been something in history that has survived and, and spoken of the times and that type of stuff and so you get thrown these challenges of oh we can't tour anymore you know even all the way down to probably like how do we make revenue because it is a business at the end of the day and um this is this was one creative way I thought that you could tackle it. And I would like to see, like you said, subways, anything like that. And there is nothing wrong with having a, just a setup and playing. But I do think you run the risk that your audience at that point in time might just feel like they're watching a YouTube video. I mean, when we were all watching it, we were mm-hmm. engaged. Um, and if it was just song after song in the same set, we might start talking over it and, you know, getting up to get our food and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You felt like you had to be there and kind of keep watching. So, anyway, those are my final thoughts. I just I loved it to no end. All right, gonna All watch right. it another uh, five or six times today. I'm probably gonna watch it after this. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's give it its final rating. I will go first. We'll leave Tony for last. Um, I'm gonna give it a four and a half out of five because you got to hold that coveted five for absolute perfection, and. Um, but it was as close as you could get to perfection. And I think he probably gave one of his best performances. Tony, you can, you've seen more, you can kind of talk to that, but I think the addition of Paul and his poetry and him joining him really took it to a new level. The location was brilliant and beautiful. The stringed instruments. I love that. I could go to sleep to that every night, (laughs) just rich and full and, um, I'll probably have to pick up my violin again because I'm inspired. So at least four and a half out of five, maybe 4.75. Joe? Yeah, I'd go with the four and a half as well. Again, reserving the five for an absolute, you know, gem. Perfect. But this is this is nearing that. Um, creativity, power. Uh, there wasn't any, you know, cheesy stuff. There wasn't, you know, no technical flaws that we could see. Everything was just produced and staged well. So I'm going to give it a solid four and a half trending towards five whatever that means 
<laughs> Joe, was it the kids in the background playing racquetball that threw you? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, was that between a song or when did we hear that? There was a, yeah, he was that doing was a song. Yeah, yeah. Um, sounded like I, shoes on a basketball court or racquetball something that was the only, but it was still funny it was right after the corner and it was because they were in that small room and i think they were moving back to the big space yeah. and so you could hear them kind of moving uh the instruments and all those things back in the other room small yeah. small thing didn't mind if it. it's, if it's still up when uh, people hear this episode go to dermot's uh instagram account and look at his story because he answered a bunch of questions and somebody were saying did you have to run from place to place and he's like yeah we absolutely had to run place to place and people were setting stuff up all around us so the fact that we only really heard that once was pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, well, I mean, I, I agree with reserving things for the perfect gem and, you know, but this was for me personally. So it's a five out of five easily for me from all aspects, you know, the just delivering on the creative side almost is more important to me than just hearing good songs. Cause they could do that anywhere. So, um, there's not, I've said I've said a lot about this, and I'm, it's no surprise it's a five for five for me. Awesome. Well, it's safe to say we all loved it, and uh, we're ready for another one. So uh, as soon as you want to put one out, Dermot, we will listen. <laughs> yes. That's a deal. You play, we'll listen. That's fair, <laughs> right? Yeah. Innovative. I like that. <laughs> all right. Well, <clears throat> this will definitely be up later today, and then tomorrow night. We are inviting Ashton Knight into the studio to talk about his new book and album, Waiting for a Voice, very intimate, poetic album, kind of really is an ode to his father who passed away, um, didn't make it back to the United States from South Africa, so it was really a rough time for him, so we're going to talk about that tomorrow night. And you can find all of our shows at Wanderings and Wool Gathering on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, CastBox, Stitcher, and on rock985.com. And after you listen, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And until next time, we'll see you then. Bye now. <laughs>